0: I finished my business degree. I want to become a lawyer, I got my first summer job working for a legal firm called Steichman elliot which at the time is probably the largest in Toronto, so it's my dream job. The following September, I'm gonna start law school at Western University, and work in a way, loving it, have an apartment in the city, and I get the call from my dad that the secretary has gone on two-week holidays, and the phones are ringing off the hook. He needs someone to answer the phone. Now, I try to think back what I must have been thinking, but really, there was no thought process. I just packed up and went. It was just like an obligation, but I didn't feel resentment over it, didn't feel excited about it. It was just the right thing to do. Our sales manager take me out a few times and said, Kim, you've got a business degree, why aren't you considering the family business? So he really got me thinking about, that does make sense. I hadn't thought about it. I do have a business degree and stayed. And I remember going in to my dad's office and literally like asking for a job to which he said, let me think about it. I'll interview you tomorrow.
1: Welcome to Breaking Down Boxes, I'm Gene Marino with Acres Packaging
2: and I'm Joe Morelli with Houston Patterson and Lewisburg Printing Company
1: we have compelling conversations with successful entrepreneurs in the packaging space great guest today someone we both have known respected admired in the industry for a long time has done amazing things in the industry out of the industry personally professionally and we're about to embark on a really exciting conversation with Kim Nelson.
2: Yeah, I think from my point of view, talking with Kim and is really going to be exciting for me to hear how she got into a very male-dominated industry. Her business is an incredible story. Going back to her dad and just hearing how that transition happened, I think it's going to be very interesting for our listeners. And also, Kim, you a trailblazer, being the first female in the ICC Hall of Fame. This podcast is brought to you by Oxbox. It always surprises me that the question, what do we do better than anyone else, doesn't get more attention. Or maybe a better question is, what do our customers think we do better than anyone else? While it's not sexy, the answer for Oxbox is jumbo and heavy-duty box manufacturing. With best-in-class capabilities, products, and service, Oxbox really is the best choice if you need big, durable boxes.
1: Oxbox is strength you can depend on. Check them out at www.oxbox.com. Now, back to the show.
2: Before we dig into the past, can you give us an idea about Royal and exactly what you guys do and
0: who you service? Yes, of course. Thank you guys for having me. So Royal Containers, our mission is building partnerships and packaging. And in terms of size, we are about 350 employees on the converting side and located... About the main office in Brampton, Ontario is 10 minutes from Toronto airport. And then about two hours west, we have another converting facility. It's in St. Thomas, Ontario. This is a brand new plant that we opened up. It was an acquisition and an existing plant in London that we combined into a new location to add capacity to our converting operation. We have a really great leadership team in place that look after both buildings. We have a sheep feeder operation, 10 core packaging. It was the first one in Canada for sure. And 10 independents started, bought their own corrugator. Today, we're the last remaining independent owner of 10 core. So that's fun. We will be for, for a long time, I'm sure. And to complete our total vertical integration, we also have a partnership at Greenpack Paper Mill, which is really state-of-the-art recycled paper mill. That's in Niagara Falls, New York side.
1: Obviously, you've been in the industry for a while. Talk about the origination and inception. Your father, I believe, was the founder of Royal Containers. What year was that? How did that unfold?
0: In the late 70s, my dad got into the industry. He was, he has a story similar to a lot of the independents. And I know that because of all the meetings that I attended, we used to have one of the members get up and tell their story. And each, they all had really cool, interesting entrepreneurial stories. And it could be any person, including it could have been my dad. But he was a farm, they grew up on a farm, left home at age 15, Mm. hitchhiked across Canada to find a brother. He had seven older brothers that were all gone. He didn't want to work on the farm. So that's how he headed out west and was driving a big rig trucks before he even had a driver's license (laughs) for sure. But came back to Ontario and got into the business. He was a sales rep. He was a designer and quickly realized he didn't want to work for someone else. So he started his own a company in the late 70s, and then his first acquisition, 1980, is when he decided to rename the company Royal Containers. I have been asked why did he come up with the name Royal Containers, and it wasn't the Crown Royal, because that's what he drank, it wasn't. <laughs> he just didn't want to name the company after himself, his name. Yeah. He didn't want it to have to do with the city he lived in or the mascot of the city. And that's just what it that's came interesting.
1: up
2: with. How old were you at the time?
0: I guess I was 10. <laughs> do you re-
2: what do you remember about the time with him starting the company? And-
0: we, it was a lot of ups and downs because even before we, there were times where as he was building the company, we also lost everything. So there were times where we were living in an apartment and then in a house and then back into an apartment and then into a house then back into a smaller apartment before eventually we were he was on his way and the company was starting
2: What's that time frame between starting the, the early company? 80s. That's interesting. Yeah, the
0: late 70s early 80s.
2: So the there are multiple years of struggles. Yeah. That's insane.
0: Yeah. There was a period of time back then I there's going to be a lot of people that know the exact year on this but still early 80s when all the integrateds went on strike in Canada, Ontario, and a lot of the independents, this was their break because the customers, all of a sudden these big companies were not supplying any boxes. And so a lot of these guys got started very quickly, but also then ran out of sheets, yeah. ran out, you know, and my dad, he went over, the, across the border, started trucking back his own sheets and these things evolved and so again real entrepreneurial ideas of how to keep the business going and grow it.
1: But not an easy start by no, any means. No, not by
0: any means, yeah.
1: Yeah. Did you, were you running around that plant and free labor, that sort of stuff sure, when you were yeah, a kid? Sure, yeah.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Only on a day we didn't have to run a machine, we got to bring our roller skates. I, yeah. That resonates.
1: Yeah. yeah. When, as you're working your way through, through high school, summers there are you pretty much removed from the company
0: yes definitely summers later i remember lots of summers in the plant not i was not in the office like i have a brother he worked in the business right up until 2011. so yes we were doing summers in the plant but only if we couldn't find a job first Mm. Because first, we had to get our own job. I remember one time I was working at a gym. I thought that would be really cool, except they wanted me to clean the bathrooms.
2: <laughs> you drew and a line so, there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I told them I didn't think that should be part of my job. I was working in the plant next <laughs> week. Did yeah. your
2: dad, was he asking you to get jobs outside of the family business? Or was yes. that your... Okay. No, he always was, yeah. And what, what do you think his plan was?
0: I just think you've got to go get your own experience before you bring them into... To the family business, I and he never he never really talked like we'd come into the business. We never really wanted to go into the business, so
1: I can see that. Was, and you're around it 24/7. Yeah. It's a it's a growing business. Your dad's consumed, your mom's consumed by it, and as the children, you're like, yeah, get me as far away from this as possible. Yep. and then slowly yep. but surely, you wind up getting reconnected. What do you do after high school?
0: So I finish my business degree followed by what I want to do, which is to become a lawyer. I got my first summer job working for a legal firm called Steichman Elliott, which at the time is probably the largest in Toronto. So it's my dream job. The following September, I'm gonna start law school at Western University and work in a way, loving it, have an apartment in the city. And I get the call from my dad that the secretary has gone on two week holidays and the phones are ringing off the hook. He needs someone to answer the phone. Now, I try to think back what I must've been thinking, but really there was no thought process. I just packed up and went. Hmm. I was just like an obligation, but it, I didn't feel resentment over it. Didn't feel excited about it. Yeah, It was just the right thing to do.
2: Prior to that moment, was there thoughts running through your mind that Never. you wanted to get back into the no. business? Well, that's wild. Yeah. Did you go no. back to law
1: school?
0: No, I. that was it. I worked there. So the couple weeks, I had Bill Rutledge, our sales manager, take me out a few times and said, Kim, you've got a business degree. Why aren't you considering the family business? And of course, his spin was... It's in my best interest that we have a succession plan for this company because I've got a, the rest of my career is here and and we employees wanna know that there's security and a timeline that fits our needs. Why haven't you considered And So he really got me thinking about that does make sense. I hadn't thought about it. I do have a business degree and stayed. And I remember going in to my dad's office and literally like asking for a job to which he said, "Let me think about it. I'll interview you tomorrow." <laughs> Holy pal,
1: yeah. this is '92. Yeah. And so yeah. now he comes to you yeah. tomorrow, and he's, "Let's sit down for an interview." Yeah. Did and you- he says,
0: "Why do you, Why do you want Why do you want this job?" And nuts. I don't think I had any really great answer at all because, I, yeah, it's '92. I don't know anything. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And were
2: you stunned that you actually had to sit down with an with your no. dad in an interview, no. or was that like normal? Yeah. yeah. What was he like yeah. with you and your brother growing
0: up? Okay, I'll answer it this way. I recall my, having this conversation. My mom said, I raised you till university. Now it's your dad's turn. Mm. I We never saw him growing up. Interesting. Yeah.
2: Just because he was not in, so involved in, in the business, business in and getting work, the business yeah. going. He was
1: going over the border to drive sheets back yeah. so yeah. he could run <laughs> Can you imagine? No. Yeah, that's at all costs.
2: Well, that's Was he, yeah. when he got the business started up and running those times where you were in and out of apartments your house back and forth the amount of stress around the house had to be insane
0: pretty young yeah definitely felt it but our family they're very humble so there's you know what you don't know you don't miss that's good
2: that's insane so you're early 20s then when you get the phone call and you go interview with your dad (laughs) which is wild in itself you're asking for a job, yeah. where does yeah. he start? What does he say, how does that conversation go?
0: I don't really remember all of the details of it, but I was excited about now. I, if, what it hit me was, okay, I've got a job. I can get working, I can start making money, I can now do the things that I want to do. Because before, my thought process was, well, i still got a lot of school ahead of me. Mm. But now it's like, no, now you're in the working world, let's go, I'm ready for a career, I'm ready to start learning.
1: Where'd you start first?
0: Oh, answering, back in the secretary position. Really? Yeah. Then I went into accounting. I did payroll. Then I did the customer service. I really did every role.
1: Did he have a process behind it, or was it no. just moving you around? No,
0: moving or around.
1: around. Or were you moving yourself around?
0: I think, he, no, he, he, well, I mean, there was a general manager there. Maybe she was moving me around, but I knew first certain the only way I was going to advance to another one is I had to earn the respect of the people in that department like truly earn their respect maybe this was a part of just the lessons of what our my father taught us but you can't earn the respect unless you truly understand what the what you know, the co-workers are doing. Did
2: they look at you when you first started coming around as Ross's daughter? Oh, of
0: course. It, sure. Yeah. More so in the plant. Of
2: course. And as you were moving from department to department, role to role, were there any thoughts at that time of you being the succession plan or were you just happy to I've, have a job? I'm too
0: young. No, I was, and I feel like it took me a really long time to start to even understand business. I would say well into my early 40s. The rest of my 20s and all my 30s, it was just trying to learn what I could. Attending AICC for sure, because he did always say, you can't learn what you need to know inside the four walls. That's great. Nice. So there was a lot of that going on year after year.
2: Were there moments in those early years where you were thinking like, the hell did I get myself into and in wish you were back? chasing after the law degree?
0: No, I never regretted because I've always, and still to this minute, this day right now, I feel like if I wanted to go to law school, I'd go tomorrow. (laughs) There'd be nothing holding me back. Yeah, I, I don't have that. I don't think like that, no regret for sure.
1: So 92, you're moving around. How many people are at the company?
0: 92, it's probably 50 or 60 employees. It's pretty small. So
1: you're moving through customer service, accounting, HR, HR. right?
0: Production, design. And still in my 20s, it's okay sales. Okay. I'm like, okay, so the only thing great about sales is I get to have a car now. So that was cool. (laughs) I have no idea what to do. I've not been given any guidance whatsoever. Of course, in a couple of weeks, I fail miserably and hate it. Honestly, I thought I will never be a salesperson. Never. It's not for me. What year is this?
1: How long did you spend rotating through? Was this like a year after you joined? Was this like '93? You're into sales or faster?
0: No, we're no. So the sales part, I was pretty young. You're definitely in my 20s.
1: Yeah, but you had spent a couple of years rotating through.
0: Yeah, office positions. That's crazy. Yep. But then again, it's still another 10 years of, I guess, mostly in the accounting part. But then also, you know, I finally become the office manager because I've done all those Mm
1: -hmm.
0: kinds of roles.
1: So it wasn't like through these rotations and immediately to sales. You were a good, solid time frame. Oh,
0: yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yep.
1: So you head out on the road, you hate it. What's the answer? Tough? Go figure it out?
0: No, it's okay. Come back into the office. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, did you
2: get to keep your car?
0: <laughs> I did. <laughs> Good. Yeah.
2: What was the relationship like with your dad? I
0: had a really great relationship with my dad. I guess because I really, I looked up to him. I started to develop this feeling of I uh, have to protect what he's building. Out of, it was just my own, my own passion, my own desire to. When you see the blood, sweat, and tears into something, I really respected it. So I wanted to protect it and I wanted to add to it and I wanted to make sure that it was just because he was big on values, that humble, honest, big on all that stuff, but fully functioning alcoholic, fully functioning as a lot of the, our employees were. Mm. Um,
2: Did you know that at the time?
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know it. But yeah, so I really wanted to, it was a duty that I really wanted to continue the success for him.
1: You throw that out there. I want to peel that a little bit. Did you have to like bifurcate work, Ross, that side? How did you manage that emotionally?
0: The, like the working relationship. Yeah, because that was hard, especially while I was living at home. So now that I'm out on my own, I think it just evolved. It evolved in a way that I think because we didn't really have a father-daughter relationship young. It started when I was an adult. That It started with a lot of respect through business. Mm-hmm. So it was a really nice relationship. We, but we did just talk a lot about business. Although he was one of the only persons that really supported all of my sports too. Yeah,
1: yeah. When did you start doing all that?
0: Forever. Forever, so it wasn't- Always I was in something.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And we'll get into that later. We're still, you just come back from your sales rotation.
0: Now, there is a dynamic with my brother though, because my brother was always in the production side. And so then you go, okay, now your gender roles, right? Brothers in production, You're in the office. There should be some compatibility here. But The other way we were raised was, we don't have discussions, we have arguments. (laughs) To us, they're not arguments. It's just, my expectation of you is not to agree with me. It's to pick another side, and that's how we'll talk to each other. So we always had three opposing angles to every conversation we ever had. He's just 13 months younger.
1: How did you guys reach any resolution or direction? We never did.
0: It was very difficult because it was just our nature. You don't come up with a resolution or my dad would. It seldom was it over a business decision. These were just discussions. Interesting. So, you know, after several years, it's an exhausting way to operate.
2: Yeah. How often did you walk away just pissed off at Uh, your dad or your brother?
0: Oh, Probably four out of five. Jeez.
1: So now you are, if I'm understanding this right, so you come in 92, all functions in the office and some production and design, roughly eight to 10 years, is that about right? And then you go into sales, come back in. So now it's about 2003. And what you described, you're obviously your knowledge of the business has grown tremendously your brother's in the production side, is it just you're all somehow disagreeing and moving forward and you just, you're growing in your, in your knowledge and roles of the business? Or are you guys having any kind of discussions about succession?
0: So your timeline is exactly right. And there did become a time where it became very evident, I'll put it this way, that my brother felt this business was a family business. This is a business that blood is thicker than water, and I wouldn't go so far as to say an entitlement, but it's a family business first. I came to the realization then that, wait, this is backwards. This is a business, if it's successful, if we run it like a successful business, it could benefit family members. So my brother could only handle what he could handle on his own shoulders. So that size of company is one size. That's it. No room for growth. That would be too stressful. My brother had gray hair and ulcers by the time he was 29 years old. Mm. Cause he really, he held the stress on his shoulders. I didn't have that. I was very, we would even fight about the whole thing about you're related, you're the daughter. You got to turn the lights on, turn them off. I said, no, I don't. I have to work smarter than everybody else. So w- there was this time where that became a defining moment because we had to go one direction. Yeah. And I, my dad being the entrepreneur, he knew we had to go forward. We had to keep growing. So there came a part of time, this was a really hard struggle in our whole entire family because ultimately in my, it was really causing a lot of health issues for my dad. So he was getting very sick over this.
1: Because of the The, the fighting between
0: right at work, all that just.
1: What you're describing too is basically like with you and your brother, this is a cultural underpinning. This is where the platform we're gonna build this to move and you guys are at complete opposite ends of the spectrum.
0: Complete opposite ends and the emotions are, they're going to erupt and this thing is gonna blow up in all of our faces because now the fighting, we can't do it behind closed doors anymore. Now it's open and everybody has an opinion and everybody sees it. And now it's gone into other directions that it's it's just want to take because hey, there's a lot of drama. There's sides being
2: picked and- Did you, were either one of you guys, did either one of you guys have ownership at that point? Or was it- No, no. Neither one did. Did you at that point in your career want to be an owner?
0: At that point, yes.
2: What about your brother?
0: Expected it. He expected it. This is a fight yes. at its
1: core. Yeah. Right? yeah.
0: To that point, I knew I wasn't going to take one piece of that company without paying full value as appraised by an outside person. My brother, he, his expectation was 33%, <laughs> yeah. like now. But what ended up happening is my dad thought he had to fire my brother. Now he, at this time again, his health is really not so good, but he's only 60 years old. And I had a few conversations with my dad to say, don't do it. I, it's going to kill you. I will do it after I could, I can handle this because to me, it's not emotional. To me, it's just a business decision. Yeah. I'm okay with the outcome. And I, and we really had that, we had that conversation, but I, walked in one day and my brother is walking out. And for 10 years, our whole family was estranged. No one talked to anyone.
2: Holy shit.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Within six months, my dad was on his deathbed. My brother, he did, uh, they made amends. And, uh, and that was it. Wow. Six months later, he was gone. Wow. But mom, my brother, his wife, the kids, my family, Done. No one talked. Yeah, it was wow. pretty sad. That's crazy.
2: And thankfully, your family was able to make amends a few years later.
0: Yeah. To this day, my mom, she was never in the business. And uh, she holds a big resentment. If I say royal containers, there's a big resentment because she feels it's responsible for bad times in our family.
2: Explain your emotional state during those months.
0: I felt just, I just felt still, always felt an obligation to need to grow this company that my dad built. And after that, I started to understand that it's not about me. It's about the employees. It's about so many other things that were bigger than what I wanted. But I don't think I would have understood that until I got to the other side that my job is only to continue to build it so that there's another generation if they choose to take it over what whoever that is family or not
1: when you when your dad fires your brother are you stepping into running the business you talked about his health started to deteriorate
0: yeah. he's still the
1: owner of the company yeah i got to assume you're running everything
0: backing up a little bit then, yeah the on the succession part of it which We wouldn't have used the succession planning, but my dad would say a lot, his success would be measured by how successful my generation was. And that made sense to me. So we did, I, I sought out a family business counseling guy and he was down in the city of course, my dad and my brother were like, we're not driving down to, <laughs> to the city, but that's probably only funny to me. <laughs> Anyways, we hire this guy and he is, he's not a guy for us. <laughs>
2: Interesting. But
0: he's still full of all this knowledge about succession planning. He just happened to work with really big, pretentious families and we're, my dad, that doesn't fly with him. We're, we're, Grounded down or this isn't the kind of thing that we would do. However, we went through a lot of the processes and put out on the table all the things to talk about. What about kids want to get in? Do you think they need to have college? Do you think they should go to university? Do you think they should have outside experience? Like a lot of great stuff that you naturally go through, but you don't write down on paper and agree as a family what the next generation should do. Build. Let's build a document. He was taking us down that road. Now, at the time, my dad and brother, that was, this is all theory. We're like, we work with our hands. We figure this out. The format and the process wasn't really working. However, it really was because we were going through it anyways. This, so there was about five or six years where I was able to do other things with my dad, attend, sit in with the bankers, understand what the lawyer was doing, start to understand what does a shareholder agreement look like, a 10 to 10 core meeting. Oh, we, we go into partnership first with a paper mill. What did that look like? And really allow me to see, okay, and here's the financial statements. Well, we better start learning how to read these. So we did go through, I would say, all of a succession plan. It's interesting. But pretended that we weren't. Exactly. <laughs>
1: and
2: your dad clearly looked at you as the future of business, not necessarily your brother. Am I correct in assuming that? I
0: think in terms of the leadership
1: yeah. piece. Yeah. So you said like at least five to eight years yeah, where that was kind that of, was going on. that's interesting. We, in a lot of these generational dynamics interviews that we've done, it's the only way to really introduce that sort of thing. you got to sit in a bank meeting, you've got to sit in an equipment purchase, and you just learn almost through osmosis. It's just, you can't get a book for that. Tencore, when did you guys get involved in that, and what was the thought process, and were you in the role of listening into that discussion? Were you not a part of it as of yet based on your development, or were you influential in that?
0: Tencore is, is an interesting, and, and I'll probably overshare in this part too, going back, just the quick overview. 1984, the 10 independents get together, they start, it's very successful. They have Rick Ellery at the helm. He's fantastic, brilliant business guy. They build the company. It's doing great. But they're all of the same generation. So as time goes on, now we're entering the age of I'm ready to retire. I'm ready to get out of the business. And they're all disappearing at different points of time. And then well, I'm, to answer your question, Well, I'm starting to, okay, I'm going to attend a 10 core meeting and understand there's only three or four guys left but wanting to retire. So we do some acquisitions. There's when we bought a Morphe container was then he was ready to go. So we were still, there's still natural acquisitions there within this group.
1: So was your dad one of the founding members of 10 core? Yeah. While he's trying to get his business off the ground, these guys all take a flyer and buy a corrugator.
0: Yep. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah.
1: That's some Acapulco cliff diving.
0: I agree. A lot of it's a trailblazing in the industry. That's, no question. Yeah.
1: OK. So yeah, fast so, forward, and there's a lot of people. The original 10-core group is down to maybe three.
0: Yeah. There's three, and there's still others are wanting to get out. So I had attended a few meetings. I guess two, two particular times that I remember we were going to be talking with Cascade, to do a business deal. And at the time, my dad, Ross and I, I never called him dad. It's It's actually kind of feels funny saying that here. I only refer to him as Ross. We knew we were gonna go into this meeting and turn it around. And this was the Green Pack paper mill. They asked if we wanted to get into partnership with a corrugator and we said, uh, the rest of the guys, 10 core guys said, yeah, this has sounded pretty good. And, and we said, no, but would you let us at the seat at the table of your new paper mill we know you're building? So that was how that whole thing started. I'm not articulating it very well, but it was a really big
1: moment day moment
0: yeah. in there because eventually we are, and it's I would consider the jewel in our crown is the paper mill piece. I think
1: the articulation of it is that you're in a group full of people who are still thinking sheet feeder one
0: way and and
1: you two are like now it's beyond that 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 is very defining as
2: you're starting to sit in these meetings and start to really become a leader of the company and attending these things with your dad are you the only female at the table yeah was that intimidating or how did you feel
0: it's funny because i try to think of some ways of articulating that whole female part of it but i think it's also i mentioned earlier what you which you don't know, you don't miss. I didn't even really consider that. I didn't even consider the gender. Yeah. Yeah. One time when I was younger, I, Ross, I got in trouble for something. I did something screwed up major. I went to the bathroom, I was crying. And he came and knocked on the door, entered the washroom and said, that's the last time you'll ever do that here. Mm. And I was, okay. There's no <laughs> there's no crying in this. Yeah. That's crazy. And that was the only time I felt like a girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, okay, I won't do that. I know how to play this role and I can do that just yeah. fine.
2: Did you ever feel did you ever feel like people were looking negatively upon you as a female during those conversations?
0: I think we we're very fortunate. Never never had that. I know it exists. I know it goes on and probably most places. But in Toronto, just I've never experienced it. If I felt that I was being disrespected because of being a family, of being a, the daughter, then I would just face that head on. What's your problem with me? Let's work it out. What is it? <laughs> yeah.
1: We've known each other a long time. I, we were on the board together in a CEO group together. You just don't, the confrontation is the wrong word. You're not afraid of coming head on. And it's not done from a place of, I'm gonna bully you over. It's a place of, let me understand where you're coming from, but you do not shy away from trying to figure out what's at issue. I feel like it's what makes you successful, is that there are people that step over the rocks and there are people that flip them over. And that, and you flip them over. (laughs) And then if there's another one that has to be flipped over, that'll be flipped over as well.
0: I think, Gene, that I was just taught that if I'm asked, if you're asked a question, yeah. answer it. And I just, I'll answer it and I'll just add a little more of my opinion.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's who you are and uh, people can take it how they wish, but I'd say overwhelmingly so. It's yeah. taken from the place it comes from, which yeah. is authenticity. So Let's take it back to Ross's passing away. He yep. fires your brother. Yep. A couple months
2: later, he's gone. At that point, yep. did you have ownership in the company or... Was it transitioned upon his death?
0: So not upon his death. We had worked out those details before and it was a typical freezing of the assets. What's the evaluation? I could buy this percentage at this number, of which I did. I went to a wealth management company, borrowed the money, paid it off, and that's how it's been Did happening. your
1: brother become uh
0: So he was bought out.
1: Okay. Okay, so now though, on the other side of that fence though, everybody's looking at you. Now you have to go in and you have to make some announcements. Yeah. What is your mentality? Is it fly the plane or is it okay? Let me start cracking skulls. Like, not in that regard, but I'm going to start moving furniture. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's it. That was. (laughs) Now that you're bringing me back to that moment, when you work for an entrepreneur, like the people that started there were still working there, right? You work for someone because you love working there and you're loyal to that and that's a generation of people. A hundred percent, I felt like I, somehow or another, they're gonna have to believe in me to continue this on. And it's not gonna be by changing the culture, that's for sure. So I wanted to really find a way to continue to change and grow, but don't touch those values. And I think that in itself was helpful in, okay, if I can now start thinking strategically and do some strategic planning, we can do that now because we're going to clearly articulate what are the values, so this is how we're going to hire people, how we're going to treat people, the language we're going to use, how we behave and all that. But now we're going to set some real measurable goals and that's going to help get us from A to B. And by the way, everybody, I want to get us to hundred million dollars. Yeah. And we were at 25.
1: Yeah. Were you in Green Pack at this time?
0: Yeah, my father passed away in 2012. Okay. And Green Pack was he, just after. We had just finished. But
1: there's a lot of moving parts.
0: Yeah, yeah, a lot of moving parts. Did
1: you ever,
2: during those times, shortly after you became full owner of the company, did you feel overwhelmed? Were there moments of questioning yourself or were you just, this is going to work, like 100% confident in yourself?
0: I sure get overwhelmed. Like, personally, I get over, get overwhelmed at times. But... I've never doubted for a second the success of the company, never. It's never entered my mind. (laughs) I am a big believer that if you say it, that's going to happen. So the only positive, we will get there. That's awesome. Yeah. So overwhelming for sure, but not lacking confidence.
1: As you're, you made a really impactful statement. We're going to, we're going to keep the core values in place, but we're going to put measurable goals behind it. And here's this vision of growth. So how do you how does this flywheel start to turn? Are you changing the leadership dynamics? What are you doing in the business to, to begin to get this vision to become a reality?
0: Yeah, because you're slowly having to professionalize in some ways. And I mean, this was never a lifestyle business because Ross led the company in a very successful way and not just To pay his salary, it wasn't like that. But the evolution of that was absolutely—it had for me. It was I had to start with a leadership team. So who is we've got a I. We were big on no titles, so this was a little difficult as well. Interesting building a leadership team, but oh by the way, they're. What are you going to call me? I'm like nah, you're Brent. (laughs) I'm Kim. No title on your business card because that's one of the. It's one of the values. How are we going to do an org chart? We just put your name and your picture on there. So It's difficult sometimes when they clash, the value and the moving forward, but it's just people. I know that is just people. So a great leadership team, get everyone, but we went through them. We went through different leaders getting us to each stage. Where we are today, we have a leadership team of nine people and they cover all of the areas. And we're checking in every month and making sure that we're all on the same page driving in the same direction. And we've had, every company, a lot of setbacks and challenges a lot of, along the way, that's for sure. But it's just the team. The- How do you
1: try to manage the complexities? Nine, nine people on the leadership team, yeah. sheet feeder, paper mill, three locations?
0: We have two 10-core, two converting operations.
1: How do you... What's your philosophy? What do you try to... How do you interact, how do you do the dance?
0: How do I personally, because it is a lot of people. I work less now than I ever have, but I guess it's just constantly reminding and having the conversations and the leadership team meetings, and not just the meetings, because the communication of it all is so important. I don't want the leadership team to know what their strategic plan is and the Baylor guy not know. It mm. just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And if I just, if we have to communicate it in different ways, so be it. But we can't have anyone not knowing or understanding where the company's going. So
1: I think the better question than right? hearing what you're saying is, how did you go about removing yourself? It's not just because you got these nine people in place. There's measurements, there's measurables, yeah. there's some form of communication. Can you share your, yeah. your philosophy on that?
0: No <laughs> I'm sorry, I just thought of that episode of The Office where, where they the the guy saw the same question of his boss. <laughs> and he just rambles on about absolutely nothing and he can't him an answer and I just started thinking how oh, You oh could probably goodness. get away with that and
1: no one would know no, any
0: different. It's just you articulating the vision okay. everybody has it's just what are, the leadership are invested in what measurables are they going to bring that align with achieving where we want to go so it's just measurements it's measurables it's goal setting yeah and
2: was that a part of your leadership style immediately upon taking over the company or did that did you grow into stuff we had
0: to grow into it
2: and where did that come we from? all
0: know change is a sticky and hard thing to do mm. so the more um The more it can evolve, I think, is worked for us.
2: I know recently you've worked with Holly Green. Yeah. And I know she's been with you for a number of years to help put that kind of strategic culture in place. But you started doing this years before she was around. Is that right?
0: Yeah. I think people have a hard time knowing where you're going if you don't have some measurement (laughs) along the way. I know you're not asking me to justify how every business is run.
1: But you're hitting on something that I don't think people truly appreciate what you're doing and that's that, okay, here's the vision, what are the measurables that need to take place that I can buy into as the owner leader and you can buy into as the person who's gonna be accountable to deliver them and then moving forward. We could sit and talk about where I wanna go all day long but if there's no way to keep score And to make objective determinations on okay we hit these five measurables but we missed okay we had the wrong measurables or the wrong very much minded like that Mm -hmm. and i think that's the nuance that we're trying to tease out is you just you're just not saying hey i want to be a hundred million you're backing it with objective metrics that you want to see out of these leaders
0: i think it's did how the company started was as i mentioned it's about because we want, if we're not going forward, we're, go, we're going backwards. Okay, that's the given. I mentioned that it was about my success. My father said this. My success is going to be determined by your success. So that's what I'm doing.
1: Interesting. How
0: can I set up the company right now today for the future? I have been talking about this with my leadership team. Every month we talk about it. And I say, who is your succession plan? You know what, you want to do this and the other thing, but who are you transferring your knowledge to? So we're doing that regardless, it's not an age thing anymore, it's a culture thing. And so we're constantly developing other leaders. That's our job. And it's not for us, it's for the next generation. Uh, When we opened up this new plant, it was, we had I had the choice, do you want to put $25 million on a brand new building? Or do you want to spend $25 million on filling it with brand new equipment? Lease this old building in this little town, fill it with equipment. And I just, my thought process is, I know the data business, let's just stick with that. Let's stick with that, build it up, put all the best equipment, all the technology that we have available today into a place. And let's let the next generation be able to start and take it to another level. So. That's what we're always communicating. And I, we communicate that to every employee. I get up there in front of our employees at least a quarter and face to face. I stand out in the plant. We'll have these discussions because you have to be authentic. We've said that. I love that word. I like to be defined by authentic and audacious. <laughs> and uh, you've got to walk the talk. You've got to be real. It's easy to do it.
2: That's awesome. When did you get involved with the AICC? And let's talk a little bit about you becoming chair, Madam Chairman of the AICC. When was that?
0: As soon as I started full-time at the company. So in 1993, Rick Eastwood, not Rick Senior, was the Chairman of AICC Canada. And he's like, Kim, come on, you got to come to the meeting. So I was the 20-whatever-year-old going to the meeting, and it started then. So my whole career, I was one of those young ones brought in and...
2: My wife talks often about her first AICC meeting. And I think you might've been the only other female in the room when she walked into the reception. I have to imagine there weren't too many females at the time.
0: I think there were a lot of females, just not in the positions that we were in. Mm-hmm. I'm still hanging around with a lot of females. They just happened to be the spouses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, again, didn't really feel a difference, but I also didn't feel I don't know, is it an issue that the industry needs to, I don't know, I've got leadership my place, it's who wants it, whether you're
1: yeah, male or female, male or doesn't matter. Female. We yeah. get feedback on, on our podcasts, and it's come up before, just opinions about it, so we like to needle that a little bit, see what we can find out. Uh, Ross was AICC president, back when chairman was president, it, for right? For Canada. For Canada, Canada. okay. Yeah. And you were Madam Chairman in '09. Was it? Or 10?
0: Oh, yep. A 10, yeah. yep.
1: What was your message? What was your Authenticity.
0: theme? Authenticity. <laughs> there we go. <laughs>
1: it rings true today. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and if I'm
2: not mistaken, you were the second female. Yeah, Cindy, Cindy Baker. First.
0: She was the first female that I saw when I arrived. And, and we had a ladies golf tournament back then, too. And there were a lot of them. Again, they were all spouses except for Cindy. And Paige Burgess. Those yeah. were the two. And those were great role models for me to right away be awe-stricken by them. That's great. Yeah.
2: That's great. And then through AICC, I'm sure you've met a lot of good partners and friends over the years. And obviously, I assume that's where you picked up Holly Green in terms of yep. what you're doing yep. now. How much have those relationships meant to you? Holly's interaction with you over the years has that really pushed you towards
0: the next level? Hundred percent. Because it's the people have helped define who we are. Hundred percent. They have. Contributed to the success of our company. Hands down, I could probably figure out a number, but it is, it's a priceless thing because, yeah, you're learning so many things from just the chatting. It's just, it's funny because it's true. It just happens. You're at the bar and you're talking about these problems and then boom, you go back and you can, you've almost solved it.
2: You could put a Mount Rushmore of names in the industry that maybe have helped you along the way or mentors to you? Who would you throw on that list?
0: That's such a difficult question, but for sure Mike Hurley is on there and Jim Haglin's on there and Jerry Frisch for sure. Greg Tucker is on there. Steve Young. He's kind of like that a glue person. Gene,
2: don't give him any more reason to yeah. have his I ego take inflated. Back Gene. <laughs> <laughs> that's for um. Oh,
0: no,
1: that's great. That's awesome. If you had to tell your 22-year-old self, like Steve York did this morning's AICC Tappy presentation about kind of save you the trouble, what yeah. would you What are some words of advice you'd give your 22-year-old self?
0: I would say, just be patient because it will come. Did he say that?
1: No, but we've oh, you're heard
0: that. Because you hear, hear that you hear all the time. Lot. We hear that so almost all the time, And I say that because I thought, so while I was trying to, in my mind, as I was going through the business, trying to think about, I will never be an entrepreneur. I am not like that. I'm, who am I? I don't, how am I going to do this? And I really lacked empathy. I. Really lack empathy as probably the worst characteristic I had through this time. You could earn respect from someone, but if you don't truly really understand them, I'm talking about coworkers. Yeah, I felt this was a really big problem, and I thought I'll never, I'll never get it. But it it does. You just grow up. (laughs) It happens.
1: And just hearing your story, you get to a point where you are responsible for the message, obviously responsible for getting the obstacles out of the way for your leadership team, your people, but then you're just responsible for listening and understanding people, customers, suppliers, employees, coworkers, and much of the day is having conversations with people to make sure that we can help them one way or another, or at least be empathetic to it. Yeah.
2: What's next? What's next for you personally, for Royal? You're a young woman, I'm sure you have Big dreams here. And I've just noticed over the course of my time knowing you how far Royal has come and how much you've grown. But I'm sure just by talking to you, I don't think you're content.
0: We've really just reached a milestone like this year. And and I will answer your question, but where I'm at right now in my head is like 2020, when COVID came, I bought a company and then everything shut down. At the same time, had to, you know, move to another building. The biggest move we ever made to date has happened in the last 20 months, mm. and there's a sort of a like a <sighs> yeah. okay deep breath. This was deep breath. Yeah, that was emotionally exhausting and physically exhausting. So it's kind of like just smell the roses for a minute. However, the next move, my Brampton location is at capacity. Mm. So that's another big move. We'll figure that out. But I want to keep my focus on the leadership team. They're making decisions every day and making sure that it just continues to be run in the right direction. Sounds
1: like you give them some room.
0: Oh, a lot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Must have some real trust in those people.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I'm a believer that if you're only going to learn through failure, so hopefully they're not too expensive mistakes, but I'm okay with that. That's great. I think
2: I would be remiss not to bring it up, but ever since I've known you, I know you've been extremely active in the fitness world. I told Gene I wouldn't bring it up because I didn't want you to put our Fran time to shame, but involved with the ICC and the recycler program, I think, where you guys Ooh. ride. And, and, and during these races, you're an active triathlete, you're an active Crossfitter. Yeah. Explain what fitness has meant to your life, maybe your mental state. How yeah. big of a part of your life is it? Yeah. yeah. 19 Ironman?
0: Yeah. yeah. You know the book, the Wealthy Barber, and his message was pay yourself first, 10%, and you'll be a millionaire. I took that to mean pay myself first, physically, financially as well, but I've always felt I will pay myself first, and that means I, I'm gonna work out. That time is mine. After I'm done that, I'll be available for everything else, including my family, business, my relationships. So it's just how I'm wired, plus the fact that I'm very competitive. (laughs) So I like that outlet for um, the competitive part of me.
2: Do you feel like it's helped you in your business?
0: I think it's probably why I'm a positive person. It's the physical activity. It gives you a real adrenaline.
1: I think it speaks to your mental fortitude, your mental strength to do the kinds of physical activities that you do, and now your business side of it just seems easy. It's
0: very true because (laughs) the motto for Ironman is anything is possible, and I don't know if I just have a way of, okay, what does that mean? How can I make that (laughs) meaningful to me? But yeah, that's a real anything is possible, and if you can do it in sport, you can do it in business. is really what I, I subscribe to.
2: It's really cool. I know you mentioned your role models in the business and whether you know it or not, there's a generation of people coming through that yeah. look up to you. I can speak for my wife and that next generation of female leadership coming through. Yeah. And then the generation under that, and yeah. these people, not just the female side either. I think everybody looks up to you as a role model in this industry, specifically though those that group. So That's nice. your story is inspiring. Yeah, thanks for being so honest and open about it. Thank and you. Uh, congratulations on all your success.
0: Thank you very More much. Comes.
2: Breaking
1: down boxes.
2: New shows will drop the first Monday of every month.
1: Remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts.